Hi everyone, I hope you've all been well. It's been kind of moody weather here in the mountains these last few weeks as we come up to the summer solstice. It's been pretty hot one day and I, it's like I get caught out wearing my jeans and a jumper as I walk out the door and walk into this wall of heat and realise I need to go back inside and get changed. And then other days it's been cold and I reluctantly put the heater on and change out of that hopeful summer dress. Last week we had one day that was a top of 13 degrees Celsius. And I know that's not cold. My Canadian family would laugh at me, I'm sure. But it does feel cold when the days around it are pushing 30. So slowly, though, we've been getting um, more and more of those nice warm days. And it is starting to feel like summer is on its way. The The main reason it's been cool up here, though, is um, like for the last couple of months, uh, we finally had a bit of rain. Um, by about September this year, we were all a bit worried about the, how dry the bush had become. And um, we'd only had like a, a handful of rainy days in the 12 months before that. And we were pretty much bracing ourselves for a really fierce fire season. But luckily, November and December have brought us a lot of rain. And that's meant we can settle just a bit, at least for now. Um, so, yeah, the rain here really comes with a sense of relief about the bushfires not being quite so threatening. Um, so, yeah, even though it may have been cool, it's definitely what I would call the fire festival or the fire season. Uh, in that time, I've also been going back to the beaches for um, some trips and it's definitely a lot warmer down there. Uh, and we've also been seeing lots of uh, heat waves and bushfires like up in Queensland and other places around the country where it's been really hot. Yeah, so it's been really warm. Uh, in Druidry, we celebrate the midsummer solstice as one of the seasonal rituals of the year. We might call it Alban Heffen or summer solstice or Letha. So the Wheel of the Year uh, is a series of eight festivals that mark out the seasonal changes. And what we might call the traditional Wheel of the Year, we celebrate a story of the life cycle of the dying and reborn king who represents the sun as well as the agricultural cycle of planting, growing, harvest and rest. And the goddess has a role in this cycle too um, and their relationship changes at different points through that story of the year. So I would call that the traditional wheel of the year, but not really because it's like an ancient tradition, but because it's become the tradition of our path and also other pagan paths like Wicca. It was really only put into this form of eight seasonal festivals uh, in the... 1950s or thereabouts when it was popularised by Gerald Gardner who was the founder of Wicca and his friend Ross Nichols who was the founder of the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids which uh, we also call Obod. Uh, so those two were friends and they had a deep interest in the seasonal celebrations of Britain and it may have been from their devising that, uh, it, that they came to bring together the Celtic and Anglo-Saxon festivals to make this beautiful eight-spoked wheel of the year that many pagans across the world have come to celebrate every year now. So this traditional wheel of the year was created for a place that was really different to where I live here in Australia. Uh, it's all about connecting with the land, celebrating the seasons and finding magic and wonder in the earth with the changes that it goes through. But it doesn't say much about bushfires, wattle and gum trees or when the possums might be trying to nest in my roof, you know. But um, noticing changes like this have got to be part of our practice if we live in Australia and plenty of other things too. Um, and if we're following a nature-based spiritual tradition, that's got to be part of it. 
unless you can find a pocket of the country where uh, all of the native forest has been replaced with non-natives. And perhaps there are some places uh, where that's almost possible. But the Australian bush is always going to play a part in our celebration of the season cycles. Um, it's just inevitable. So I have an idea what I'd like to do with you over the next full year, go through each of the seasonal festivals with you um, and look at the differences between that traditional wheel of the year and what we're experiencing more locally. I'll talk about what I'm experiencing here and hopefully uh, that'll help you wherever you live. Now, um, if this subject is of interest to you, you might like to get a copy of my book, Australian Druidry, to get a bit of an overview of what I'm talking about here. Um, in there, I give an example of a local wheel of the year that I created when I lived on the northern beaches of Sydney. I look at the local seasonal changes and consider how we can shift and change the concept of the wheel of the year to better suit where we live, while still maintaining that connection to our traditions. If you've already read the book, these discussions might take you deeper into understanding what each of the seasons might be like, and hopefully the discussion will help you learn more about your area and its seasonal changes through the year by comparing uh, them with what I'm talking about. So to be clear, I'm not suggesting here that um, we should throw out the traditional wheel altogether in Australia. Of course, there are many aspects of that story that maintain relevance for us. However, I think it's a really good idea to recognise that not every single part of it is going to fit. Uh, we already change it by six months to, to make it fit where we are. We already um, cast our circles or, or create sacred space by going sun-wise, which is anti-clockwise. So there are various things that we change here to make it fit an Australian environment. So here uh, it's coming up on summer solstice and the traditional wheel of the year means that the, the garden is growing, the crops are starting to fruit and the early harvests of berries and salad type vegetables have, are beginning. So um, I'm in the, uh, in the mountains so we definitely have a, a time of year where it's a bit more difficult to grow veggies. Um, but in some parts of the country, we might be able to grow veggies all, all year round. But there's still, like, at this time of year, an abundance of growth and the, the fruit trees are going and, the, you know, it's, there's a, a fullness at this time of year, even if there is no complete fallow time. And we can also recognise the height of the sun's light and the fact that after the solstice, the sun will move into decline with the light of each day growing less again. Uh, now, in my local wheel of the year for the Northern Beaches, I've called this season the Fire Festival, as it's not only the height of light, but it often marks that beginning of the greatest fire danger in terms of bushfire. It's a time that we might feel on one of those hot days, this need to do our bushfire plan or um, cut back some of the bushes in the garden or clean up piles of leaves, um, check that the hoses are all in good order or make sure we know where our important documents are so that we can grab them quickly. Uh, and, and know where our family are so that we can make sure that we, we can find everyone and make sure everyone's safe or, or know a meeting place. Like having these, these bushfire plans is something that naturally comes into our minds um, as, as the season starts to get warmer. Um, and so I've named this season the Fire Festival. Uh, and if that works, I think, for me here too in the mountains because that's also something I've been thinking about here. I live on the edge of a big national park here and so it's really in my mind to make sure that we have that bushfire plan. 
seeing the bushfires on the news, you know, or, or even just like smelling bushfires in the air, even if it's not close by, you can sometimes notice that light change and, and like the, just having it in our worlds can push us to have that thought, you know, what would it be like if the bushfires came to my home? Um, what would we grab in our rush to escape if we only had one hour or half an hour or 10 minutes or 10 seconds? Um, and that that's something that we do anyway. It's, it's like a med- meditation we do naturally at this time of year that helps us to realise what's really important to us. So, um, and, and I find that this time of year is actually really fiery in other ways too. Of course, here the summer solstice coincides with Christmas and New Year and there's so many things that we need to do. It's not only just getting hot and stifling and all we want to do is just hit the beach or the swimming pool. We're also under pressure to go to shop, go shopping for presents, go to maybe work end-of-year parties or other get-togethers or to finish exams or uh, get ready for having the kids home for a few weeks or to prepare for family gatherings and holidays too. It can be really overwhelming. There's just so much happening so much energy and busyness and with the heat beginning to rise it can have us feeling exhausted even burnt out Uh, so there's this fieriness that isn't just present in the bushfires themselves it's in our lives too and we we react to that in a similar way to the actual fire we we need to consider what's really important to us we look at our priorities and we make sure we do what's really important some things have to be burnt away or we have to let go of some things there's that that sense of cutting things back and um, making sure we know what our priorities are. So that's, yeah, the, the kind of energy that I feel in that native cycle uh, that we can layer along with uh, the traditional wheel of the year. So at the same time as all that beautiful imagery of the traditional wheel of the year in abundance and fruiting, we also have this local native energy of fire and burning away what's unnecessary and prioritising so that we can simplify and find joy in what's really important to us. Something that I may be at risk of being misunderstood on um, is that people might think that introducing a wheel, a local wheel of the year, I want to get rid of that traditional one, and it's really not true. What I, I think is happening, rather, is this layering of wheels, and, and it's not something new. There, there can be multiple stories told through the year. They don't need to be in competition with each other with some perceived necessity to choose between them. Rather, they can be layered together with multiple stories being told at the same time. In a similar way, in the traditional Wheel of the Year, alongside the story of the god and the goddess, there's also the story of the oak and the holly kings who battle each other at the solstices to take control of the year. At the summer solstice, the oak king is defeated by the holly king, and this represents the shift from the growth into decline that the oak will experience along with the other deciduous trees now that the light of the sun is also in decline. So we find a story there of two life cycles, the oak king who rules between the midwinter and the midsummer and the holly king who rules between midsummer and midwinter. So the oak king defeats the holly king at midwinter. Um, and they're not at odds with the story of the god and, and goddess, with the, the god who's born and grows through the spring and has fullness in the summer and then dies and is reborn through the, the autumn and, and back at the winter solstice. They, those stories 
So they're just different layers of stories that connect us with places through our experience of that wheel of the year. And similarly, we can add layers that relate to different stories that we can see in the environment that we live in. Yep. Okay. It's a bit radical making up new stories. You know, this is supposed to be an ancient tradition, but you know what? A lot of people have been making things up in our tradition, whether they were aware of it at the time or not for a long time. Um, You know, perhaps we are making up our own religion here, but it's a beautiful thing. Um, And people have been adding to this tradition in creative ways for hundreds of years. It's a tradition built on personal experience with nature and with each other and a sense of looking both back to the past for inspiration and to the future, imagining a new way that we can be connected with the world around us. So I would like to empower you to be part of that tradition and and see your experience with nature as part of the tradition that's being created here where, where we're being inspired by those um, ancient cultures that we are inheriting, but also recognising that we live in a different place and that things can be shifted and adjusted to make more sense for us today and, and for people that might follow us in the future. So how might we celebrate this diversity of stories at the summer solstice? There's a lot going on here. So um, we can look at it from various angles, I think. What, what I do, I celebrate the fullness of growth in my garden and the fullness of light of the summer solstice. Um, I bring that into my ritual. I also recognise the fire energy of the season and contemplate what's most important to me and I have gratitude for my loved ones. I take time out to spend time with them and give gifts that represent their importance and also that abundance of the season. Uh, I also celebrate the sacredness of water to give life and to protect life in that fire season. It's a beautiful time of year to balance that heat and fire energy with, with a swim. Uh, having a fire as part of your ritual in the fire season is not usually a good idea because of fire bands and things like that. But um, you can go for a swim uh, and celebrate the sacredness of water to protect us um, at that time of year. Uh, and uh, in... Obod, they, they call Alban Heffern the, the light of the shore. So that, that fits in quite beautifully. Um, I, I, I do put up a Christmas tree. One reason is because I have a seven-year-old son and he loves it, so you know why not. Um, but it offers an opportunity for us to kind of negotiate between um, that modern mainstream culture and, and also the complexity of meaning that we're bringing into it by this layering of ideas of what the season is about for us. So we put decorations on it in gold and red that represent the sun and the fire. We also put on mermaids and shells that represent that sacredness of water and maybe some gum nuts and other native seeds to represent the rebirth of the forest through the fires and that, that cutting away of what's unnecessary uh, for, for new growth to occur. Um, and you could add all sorts of other things that, that make it important to you. Um, and that's quite a nice little meditation to do. And, you know, it means that we don't miss out on, on some of that popular culture that, that the kids love so much. 
Um, this time of year is always provided with a lot to think about. So working out how to negotiate the Northern Hemisphere traditions that are in that popular culture of Christmas time, alongside our summer solstice celebrations in paganism, and also these native cycles that we can't help but notice around us. It's a season full of meaning. And I think that the solution that I've found is this idea of layering different stories that in a wonderful way makes sense of it all. So I hope you've enjoyed this chat and I hope you have a wonderful time over the holidays. I'll catch you again soon. Okay, bye.